0: Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington state. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek, University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one, only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join, and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that
1: out, no matter how hard it rains. Hello and welcome to the 280th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nenhauser. You can find me on Twitter at Hawk Blogger. And we're here to talk about a Seahawks win, which is never a bad thing, even when those games are ugly, even when those games are closer than you'd like them to be. Even when those crazy guys in Vegas know something that the rest of us don't, setting a and all the sharps that moved what was a seven point spread for the Seahawks to a nine and a half point spread for the Seahawks right before this game. And sure enough, what do the Seahawks do? They win by 10. So Somebody knows what they're doing over there. I did not know what to expect and how this game was going to play out. I had predicted this team was going to win by a lot of points. I thought they were going to score over 30. I thought they were going to hold the Cardinals basically to the points they scored. And then when you saw things like Buda Baker coming back and getting his first game in a while, that's a huge addition for that team. He's their best defensive player. He's an impact player. He often makes big plays against the Seahawks. They get Garrett Williams, their third round draft pick cornerback out of Syracuse, who actually thought pretty highly of myself before the draft, and he was back today. And then the Seahawks were without D.K. Metcalf, Evan Brown, their center, still without their right tackle, Abe Lucas. Uh, They also were without Phil Haynes. So again, they're going to have 60% of their starting offensive line out for this game. One of the first games D.K. Metcalf has ever missed in his career, there's a lot, and Zach Charbonnet wasn't going to play, so I was feeling a little bit like, Yeah, this could be an ugly game. I don't know, even though I was bracing for it, it still felt ugly <laughs> at times. But let's talk about it, folks. Welcome to the Real Hawk Talk post game show. Uh, I want to start by, as always, asking you to give the show a like, going over to patreon.com slash blogger to sign up right now, get access to the Slack channel talk with other fans before and after this show and it is not too late we just had another person join the ring of honor uh patreon.com slash hawk join the ring of honor you can still get ex- invited to what will be an awesome steak dinner i am planning for the ring of honor crew right around thanksgiving uh gonna have some of the folks in from town on on the real hawk talk crew to be there you can do it too ring of honor patreon.com slash hawk I want to thank Michael Mathis, one of our most generous super chatters, also a patron, and he says, we pretty much all thought this would be an ugly win, didn't we? O-line injuries suck. Gino did weird stuff today, but despite losing the turnover battle and not having any real offense in the second half, we still won more Bobo. Well said, Michael. Um, You know, this... There's a lot there's a lot to cover in this game, and I think there's there's (laughs) a lot of people that are going to be looking to to validate their priors, as people say. Um, And coming into this week, there was a lot of talk about Geno Smith, and he gave his advocates a lot of ammo early on. He started this game. You might not believe it, but he started this game 16 out of 19 with two touchdowns and no interceptions, had made a number of just gorgeous throws and had been, you know, very minimal in terms of mistakes. There was one play where he forced a throw on third down uh, over the middle and had guys open. And that was really his one one should have had it back play at that time. And then. He forces he forces a throw in the red zone and turns into an uh, interception, ill-advised. He fumbles on the next series. Hard to know how much that's him and center, but in any event, two turnovers and two series, and all of a sudden what was a very, very good game for Geno Smith gave his doubters the same amount of things to talk about this week. Reality is, folks, you cannot make those kind of errors and win many games in the NFL. And what was the biggest question about Geno Smith for most people, myself included, before he came to the Seahawks as a starter last year? It was his turnovers, his propensity for turnovers, his propensity for making errors that cost team games, cost his team's games. And what really elevated him for me, what made him someone who I was extremely excited about last year was more often than not, he was not putting the ball in harm's way. And yet he was still making some gorgeous throws, some really elite passes. And when you can make elite passes and not put the ball in harm's way, that is a fantastic combination. And uh, he has regressed in that regard, uh, at least over the last couple of weeks, where he has been putting the ball in harm's way and he's been paying the price for it. So he made some really questionable choices there. Everyone that just wants to pile on Gino is that he's just awful and this proves it and he shouldn't start and he's terrible. And I think that's still crazy. Um, he, he played, a he played a winning game today overall, but uh, yeah, he made some very questionable decisions that, that deserve significant criticism. So, um, Honestly, folks, the story of this game, as much as everyone's going to want to talk about the offense and the red zone and they still didn't score enough and all that kind of stuff, which is, I get it. I get it. We'll come back to it and talk about it some more. The story of this game is that defense. That defense held another offense under 250 yards that is the first time the seahawks have had three straight games where they've held an opponent under 250 yards which they've now done since 2015 that was the end of the lob era so it has been not quite a decade but it's been a very long time since you've had a seahawks defense that's been capable of doing that and you can say ah they played crappy teams I challenge you go back and look at the Seahawks schedule over the last 8 years. Tell me there hasn't been a like multiple times where they've had a three game stretch where they had awful offenses or awful teams that they were playing against. Not only that, but show me those games where the Seahawks offense absolutely crapped the bed. Today, two turnovers from the offense, one from special teams, DJ Dallas fumbled All of those put the well two out of those three put the Cardinals in excellent scoring position. They come out with three points from those two turnovers. This was an excellent another excellent performance by the defense. No, it wasn't as dominating as I think we kind of had hoped given given the opponent and given the situation being home. That 25 yard touchdown run by Dobbs in the first half was. Inexcusable and awful and hate to even think about it. But, you know, the play before it, Devin Witherspoon had picked the ball off in the end zone. And there was a pretty ticky-tack call on Boye Mafe for roughing the passer. Otherwise, the Seahawks wouldn't have given up that touchdown. They would have had the ball back. Also, Devin Witherspoon, a little over-eager and overconfident. Definitely everybody agrees he should have stayed in the end zone on that pick, but it didn't really matter in the end. Um, so, you know, there was, for the most part, the defense really didn't give up almost anything. The other thing that I, I uh, just tweeted out before I came on here, 19 of the last 20 drives, 19 of the last 20 drives, by my math, that's 95%, 19 of the last 20 drives, the Seahawks defense has held their opponent to 26 yards or less. 26 yards or less on 19 of the last 20 drives. That is that is impressive. That is impressive. That does not happen a lot. And if I went down and like looked at more specifics, there's a lot of those drives that were three and out, 10 yards and less. There's a number of them that were negative yards. Uh, Defense is playing well. Defense is playing well. This was another game. Devin Witherspoon showed up all over the place, right? Uh, Has the hit of the game was fantastic. Had an interception, had a sack. Both of those called back due to penalty, which is a shame because he probably would have won defensive rookie of the week again if he had gotten those plays, but it is what it is. The point is he made both of those plays. Excellent disguise on his blitz that ended up in that sack. He was well off the line. Did not do the little dance up to the line, or even faint, you know, towards the line. He just waited for the snap, took off, beat the blocker, got to the quarterback. Really, really nice play. He continues to be everything you hope he would be um, in in that in that secondary player of the game, though. And if you've watched this show for a while, you got to know, like I. I've always liked Jordan Brooks. I was fine with Jordan Brooks. I've never been negative about Jordan Brooks, but I've kind of put him in the category of good, but not great. He was great today. He was fantastic today. He was the best player on the field today. He was everywhere. He was making really tough tackles. He was in the backfield. He was making plays on the outside, on the inside. He was making plays in coverage. Every time I looked up, I was like, "Who was that?" It was fifty-six. Um, just, just a fantastic game for Jordan Brooks. Um, really, really happy to see that for him. He, he just, he was on it today. I don't know what, what was, what was working for him, but he was just great. Bobby Wagner was solid again. I thought Jamal Adams was solid again. Solid in coverage for all you folks that say he can't cover. I thought he would. He had a great play. Uh, down near the end zone, good coverage, uh, has tackling again. There was another play early in the game. I want to say it was either a screen or, uh, a running play where the guy was going wide. He had two blockers and Jamal got him down. I mean, this was a play that went for five yards. It could have easily gone for 30 or 40. And I think those go generally unnoticed because they're not super sexy plays, but they're not easy to make. And I'm telling you, the guys that the Seahawks have been having at at safety the last few years aren't making those plays, and those are turning into big plays. And we talk about the run defense and how bad it was last year. I think people really underestimate how much safeties, corners, linebackers all played a role in how bad that run defense is. And now you've got guys like Witherspoon, like Adams, um, making those plays, making those tackles that they wouldn't have. Bobby is a huge part of the change there. So that's that's just been really nice to see. But I think Jamal, again, finishes the game, I think has a very solid game. In the second half, in the second half, let's talk about it for a second. I haven't even added this up yet. The Cardinals had, let's drive by drive, three plays, eight yards punt. Five plays, 17 yards, punt. Five plays, 18 yards, missed field goal. Nine plays, 22 yards, turnover on downs. Six plays, 19 yards, turnover on downs. So added up. That is one, two, three, four, five drives in the second half. The longest drive in the second half, if I'm looking here, was 22 yards. No points. Zero points. And I think if we look at uh, what they did in terms of sacks and pressures, I think a lot of them came in the second half. Seahawks finished with four sacks. Amafe has his fourth straight game with a sack. Jordan Brooks had a half a sack. Um, Daryl Taylor ends up with one and a half sacks. Let's give DT some credit. I have to say, I'm happy he made those plays. He was awful in run defense again. He cannot set an edge on that play that Joshua Dobbs scored on the the 25-yard scramble or, or, or keeper. Daryl Taylor, again, is not setting the edge. And it happened multiple more times today. And yes, there was other players that didn't make good tackle attempts or good tackles on that play. Daryl Taylor is so bad in run defense. Like he's almost, I think he's unplayable. I think he's that bad. He just never sets the edge. He never forces the guy to cut it back inside. And you just got to do that. You got to do that. It's its something that's kind of inexcusable at this point. The amount of times that he gets sucked inside on those plays and allows the quarterback to get outside is just mind-boggling it's not it's not the most complicated or hard thing to do as a defender um it's not like you have to have talent to do it it's really it's an i i don't know i'll say it's an iq thing it's just a it's a it's a smarts thing in terms of understanding what your job is and and, and doing it appropriately so um daryl taylor with f- certainly a mixed game um you got to give him credit on the one and a half sacks nice to see him get on the on the board there but Man, it's rough seeing him play run defense. What we're going to see about Uchenna Nwosu, who left this game with a pec injury. Anytime you hear uh, pec, you should be concerned. Pete Carroll said pec strain, doesn't know anything more about it. That's usually not a good sign. Um, I don't think we can assume it's the worst, but it's not a good sign uh torn pecs usually are season endings so we'll see if that's what it is but we got to keep an eye on that if Uchena nuosu is out for a while or out for the year that edge group starts to get pretty thin you got Boye, mafe daryl taylor and um derek hall and i don't think derek hall has really earned A lot of reason to play uh, a lot of snaps he's not been terrible but he's not been good either he had some nice pressures today but I have some concerns about that um I'll put something I put in in Twitter that I know a lot of people didn't like but I'm going to share it anyway I thought I thought there was some it's the first time I get to see what the offense function without DK Metcalf and in the first half it was like wow well Gino's spreading it around. He's hitting JSN. He's hitting Jake Bobo, which we will talk about. He's hitting Tyler. He's hitting tight ends. Um, He's not fortunate to DK. It's kind of nice. And you're also seeing the lack of edge pressure, and you're kind of like... The question that Josh posed was, uh, should Seahawks trade DK Metcalf for Brian Burns in Carolina? The Panthers are looking for a number one ride receiver. Seahawks definitely could use some help in pass rush and i don't know i i think i understand why everyone's like no absolutely not in some ways i think it's a potentially smart move i i I mean for all the reasons that i mean dk Metcalf is not an easy player to find um and i don't think it's necessarily a straight up trade especially given the contract situations but uh if you could, if you with, just put your hands over everything and you said, could you trade a receiver for an edge, a, a, a like a Pro Bowl premium edge rusher? I think the Seahawks would be better right now if they had a premium edge rusher, or a premium pass rusher on the line in general, versus having another receiver. I think that between JSM, between Bobo, um, and then Lockett, I think they're okay there um but i don't think it's gonna happen so i'm just saying i thought i thought that the seahawks today were playing a below average offensive line and struggled to generate pass pressure for much of it and um and it made me start to just Really, I haven't been as big of a proponent of finding an edge rusher to add. I certainly have not been a big proponent of adding like a one-year rental. When you're a building team, the Seahawks aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't mean to pop anyone's uh, bubble if they're still hoping for that. You don't like do a one-year rental like Daniel Hunter or something like that, especially an older guy um, when you're not really going for it this year. But a guy that could be part of your future would make some sense. Brian Burns, I think, is still 25 Uh, Montez Sweat, another guy, you know, might be interesting to talk about. I don't think Chase Young is, is, makes as much sense, but could. Um, in any event, I, I I just think, uh, the Seahawks are missing, missing one premium pass rusher. It's pretty obvious. I think Boye Mafe is starting to be a really good Robin, but they need a Batman. Um, so something to just keep an eye on. We'll see if anything happens there. Um, What else? Let's talk about some of the good on offense, um, which there actually was some good on offense as much as it was a frustrating game. I thought this was one of Kenneth Walker's better games, and it wasn't one of his best statistical games, but this was a bell cow running uh, back game. This was 26 carries for 105 yards. He only averages four yards a carry, but There was a lot of tough running. There was, you know, he was not going to be able to share the load. I think an underrated part of this win today is that the Seahawks coaches did not give Zach Charbonnet's carries to DJ Dallas because DJ Dallas is just, I'm not a fan. I'm not. I like DJ Dallas as a guy, but like don't want him getting carries in the backfield. And he got zero carries today. I think the fact that Kenneth Walker took the full load was a big part of why the Seahawks were able to put up some points and have some decent drives. Um so that was a nice game to see from K9. I I liked that he was mostly running between the tackles. He didn't dance around as much and he did make some nice did make some nice explosive plays when he had some chances. I did think he missed a couple but for the most part I thought he was good. I thought Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jigba huh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, looked like he was on the cusp of a big game. You know, he had a few catches early on; they seemed like very repeatable, and got his first touchdown as a pro, and then just disappeared. Ends up four catches and seven targets, sixty-three yards and a touchdown, which is fine. It's not great. I would like to have seen him come down with that catch at the end of the game where they went, they, they threw a third down past. And this was like two minutes and 20 seconds left or something. And, and Gino, it wasn't an easy catch, but Gino put it only where he could get it. And JSN stretched and it hit his hands and he didn't make the catch. And He's not a guy that takes the cover off the top of a defense. He's not a guy that's going to truck a lot of guys. He's got to be a guy that's a route runner and a hands player that he, when the ball hits his hands, you just know he's going to catch it. And I thought he should have, that's a play that I expect him as a first round pick as a guy that I think can be an elite receiver. I expect him to come up with that ball. So I think good game for JSN, not a great game. Uh, Jake Bobo two really nice early on caught a 31 yarder that that Gino just walked out to him just a gorgeous throw um really nice route by Bobo to to lose the corner on that one that was up the left sideline then the play of the game his touchdown holy moly I I I admit it I'm like I was at the game uh I know people have the benefit of replay at home and all that kind of stuff in real time it looked like a typical emotional Pete challenge. Like it didn't seem like there was a chance that he came down and then they show the replay and you're like, Oh, Oh, maybe. And sure enough, he gets a toe in, uh, you can't get probably much closer than he did to being out of bounds without being out of bounds and just a gorgeous, gorgeous play. His second touchdown of the season um you know nice to see he had four catches and five targets tyler lockett four catches and five targets so got the three receivers each with four catches um you know i think that was all positive positive. and like i said earlier i mean geno smith starts this game 16 out of 19 a couple hundred yards two touchdowns no picks he was just dealing out there for a while um and then Make some mistakes. So, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be his best performance. And the reality is, if this is going to be the way the offense plays, the Seahawks are going to have a tough time getting to 10 wins. You know, given the stretch of teams they are going to have to play against, the offense can't be this limited against some, I mean, they're playing the Browns next week. One of the best defenses in football. And The Browns gave up 37 points, I think today, or 38, something like that to the Colts and Gardner Minshew. So it's not that it's impossible to score on them, but it is not easy. So, you know, and then you, I think you've got the Ravens after that, who just walloped the lions today. You know, it it doesn't get a lot easier. So, so I think the, the formula is Gino cannot make mistakes. He cannot force the ball. He cannot put the ball in harm's way. I think this defense is playing well enough. I don't think they're going to hold all of these teams under 250 yards. Could they do four straight? Could they hold the Browns offense under 250 yards? I I think they could. I don't think that's crazy. Um, But, man, guys, it's going to be tough with this offensive line. Abe Lucas doesn't sound like he's close to coming back. Pete was very conservative. Even in post-game show about Abe Lucas, it might be multiple more weeks before he's even practicing. So, I thought Stone Forsyth was better. He was definitely better than Jake Curran. I'll be interested to see what the numbers show out to be. But he wasn't just an absolute disaster out there at right tackle. I think Olu, Olu Oluwatimi his first full game as a starter... Um, I think it's going to show that he did. Okay. I don't know if he had a great game, but I think he had a good game. Um, you know, Charles cross getting back into it. Uh, be curious to see what his numbers are. Um, it seemed to me early that Geno Smith was on a, a, a clock in his head where it was like no more than two and a half, three seconds before he would throw the ball. And I thought he was trying to get rid of the ball really quickly to avoid pressure, which, to some extent was good but there there's at least one play where he missed some wide open players because I think he was just feeling like he had to get rid of it even if there wasn't pressure um later he seemed to hold on to it a little bit more and that resulted in some you know not great decisions so i know i i i really believe the offensive line was the number one culprit of And not just the offensive line, but pass protection in general was the number one culprit of why the Seahawks did not win last week in Cincy. I think that they were not great today. And I think we just have to be realistic that 60%, three out of your five starters are out on the offensive line. It's very rare to play good offense in that situation. I don't think they were the main reason that this offense struggled today. I'll have to go back and watch again. This felt like, you know, DJ Dallas fumbles a punt and so that's a possession that the offense doesn't get um I thought that was a pretty key moment where the the team had the Seahawks had just dominated up until then um then you've got the turnover at the one yard line you've got the I thought the play call when it was first of all I thought Geno scored on his his scramble where he got flipped over. I don't know if nobody told Pete to try and challenge. I don't, I didn't see enough replays to be sure, but it, to me, it seemed worth a replay to see whether he crossed over uh, the end line. In any event, it was first and goal from the you know yard line or inside the one yard line. They run it first to Kenneth Walker. He doesn't get it, but he doesn't lose it. it, it like if he had made it picked a different gap, he would have scored on that play. I was like, great do the same play again, but then they go shotgun and they do these weird motions and don't get cute. Just do the exact same goddamn play again, hit it up in there and Walker would have scored. Like, I'm pretty sure about that. And if not, could have honestly defended it. But this cutesy stuff, Walker loses a yard on the shotgun run from the one yard line, from the inch line. And then that pass, you know, that, that they lost another yard. And kick a field goal. So, like, that was a really, really poor, I think, play calling by Shane Waldron. I think you got to blame him. Um, And then, yeah, so I'm just talking about why the offense didn't score more. Like, I didn't think it was the offensive line in most of these cases. I thought, you know, then Geno scores, throws the pick. Then there's the fumble. You know, the Seahawks lost the turnover battle three to nothing. There was no that as good as the defense played. The defense did not give them a short field this this time. There was one short field for the offense when DJ Dallas had the punt return. Um, you know, I think that's the one that ended up with an interception by Gino. I'm not positive, but I think so. So, you know, it just was a clunky performance by the offense in the second half. Um, you know, they scored 14 in the first half. They had, I want to say, over 200 yards. And if you double that, if you end up with 28 points and 400 plus yards, then I think we're all feeling fine. 28 to 10, fine. But that's not what happened. They got a couple field goals in the second half. Didn't feel great. And so you're kind of left just like with a little bit of a, a mixed feeling there. Um, I think I think that's a lot of what I had to say about this game scrolling through, taking a look to see if there's anything else to comment on. Um, You know, Trey Brown got called for a penalty today. I thought, you know, it was pretty good coverage. I think he played well. Uh, I don't think I have a bunch else to say. I thought thought the big story of this game was the defense once again. And I'm really curious. I'm curious to see who would have thought the Brown Seahawks would be a defensive battle. But I think that's what we're setting up for next week. And folks, we might just need to buckle up and no one wants it to be the case, but we may need to be a defense-oriented team. This may be the the old school, like Baltimore Ravens, Ray Lewis teams that had Trent Dilfer at quarterback and, and like would win 13 to 10. We see all these options on offense and get excited and uh, for good reason. But if we're going to have you know, like pretty inferior offensive line play. We might just need to try to depend on this defense. And the cool thing is that might work. Like they might be good enough to keep you in games. They might be good enough to make plays that, that, that allow the offense to score just enough to win. Um, That was not something that was just even possible the last few years. So, you know, I think that's the encouraging part of this. I did hear from Pete Carroll in the post game that Jason Peters is is finally going to be ready to play. He'll be available either at guard or at tackle. I think depending on how Stone Forsythe played today at right tackle, you could just see him back out there again. I I would guess that they'll want to keep Peters at guard and it might be that it's time for him to get out there and get a shot. Um yeah, it's uh <laughs> It's not a season where everything's breaking exactly the way you want it if you want to, like, really maximize your your chances. But it is um, – it's perfectly, it's perfectly fine, given the bigger picture, for the Seahawks to start to build a defense, to start to build a side of the ball that looks like it could be a top 10 group, like a legitimately good group. And uh, three games in a row now, they've really clamped down on their opponents and uh i'm looking forward to see what comes next uh, i think there's a lot that they're building here so all right with that folks i'm gonna say uh wish you the best please go over give the show a like um subscribe to the channel go to patreon.com hawk blogger sign up now get access to the slack channel and like i've been saying it is not too late to join ring of honor all proceeds go to charity we've donated over two hundred sixty thousand dollars to date why not join ring of honor get to come out for a fun amazing steak dinner with some of the crew uh meet some of the other folks in the ring of honor we have a great time talking hawks it'll be right around thanksgiving this year it's not too late to do it you can sign up or give it as a gift some people have done that as well it's a great gift and you won't regret it so patreon.com slash hawk blogger it's not too late hope you all have a wonderful rest of your night and go hawks Hey folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe, have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show, and then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then. If you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month, get you immediate access to our Slack channel, join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention, become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tate morning after articles are there every week hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.